1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Fiction.
0: Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery.
1: With your hosts, Eric Shapiro.
0: David North Martino, John Copenhaver and Al Warren. Third on KCA, 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM
2: Riverside, and
0: 1050 AM Palm
2: Springs.
1: Now today, We've got um, someone that was just over in England, I guess, a while back, and he's written a book. He's been on the show before. He's our animal communicator, uh, Rob Gutro, and his book "Ghosts of England: On a Medium's Vacation." So, uh, welcome, Rob. Hi, Al. Hi, Julie. How are you today?
2: Really good, really good. I, I'm really looking forward to this interview, Rob, because as the um, the listeners have just been told, helpfully by Al, you know we've spoken before, and um, you are just such a humble guy who says it as it is. And as a fellow medium, I know we share a lot of the same views in terms of our development and how that happens, and we put it into kind of real terms.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I, I love your books for that.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much.
2: So I think where I would like to start with this discussion, because I don't I don't like to think of these things as interviews, because I think that's just too formal. But I think where I'd like to really begin is just a very brief overview in terms of how you've got to where you are. Just for those listeners who may not be aware of your your works to date. Um, And one of the things that I'm, I'm keen to explore with you is how you you always say that you are just starting out on this mediumship journey and what that means for you. So, so who is Rob, and where did this all begin?
1: Okay, sure. Um, well, uh, by trade I'm a meteorologist, so I'm a scientist. So uh, a, a lot of my uh, a lot of my experiences are all foundational in how energy works, because that's basically what what it is. When we pass away, we become energy, and we stay here as a ghost, or we cross over as a spirit. Um, I I actually developed this ability, or I was awakened. Uh, to the fact that I had this ability when I was a teenager and I encountered my grandfather after he passed away. And over time, um, that uh, I kind of put it on a shelf until I was in a comfortable place in life. Um, and then I had a puppy that passed away in 2005 named Buzz, and he showed me how pets communicate from the other side in many ways. So I've, re- I've written a couple of books about animals, um, so pets in the afterlife, which we discussed the last time, I think. And so, uh, so pets aren't the only ones that come to me. I've had a lot of people come to me, ghosts and, uh, who are earthbound and spirits who have crossed over.
2: Okay, so just for, the, um, for clarity, mm-hmm. tell me the difference in the communication. Tell me why people may be um, presenting to you as a ghostly form as opposed to a spirit form. What's the difference?
1: So uh, ghosts, uh, we all make a choice when we pass away, and when when our physical energies couple with our memories, personality, and our knowledge, um, we make a choice, conscious choice to stay here earthbound as what I call a ghost, or we cross over and join the energies that run through the universe or heaven or Valhalla, whatever you want to call the other side, and that's what I call a spirit. So it's, it's location, location, location.
2: Do you, do you believe, Rob, that cause some, of, some theories say that we do make that decision, but we can make that decision in terms of depending on where, what level we go to when we pass over. So depending on our learnings in life, depending on how, how many times we've been reincarnated, mm-hmm. how, how great we get, in, for want of a better phrase, we can then say, actually, we're OK on this, this level. We're doing all right. Or we can go back and try again. Do, is that your, your belief system?
1: I do believe that we uh, we come back um, until we are satisfied with our level on the other side. So, so like that person that cut you off in traffic today, Julie. They're going to come back.
2: <laughs> i hope so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're not and perfect I'll, yet. <laughs> I'll
2: be the traffic officer. <laughs> I'll be coming back too. I'll be the police officer working in traffic. Yeah. So, um, and there's so many different theories out there. So, so. So, in terms of your own development, which I, you know, I, I am absolutely with you that we're always learning, um, how how did you evidence that? How what is it that you you learnt or you experienced that that absolutely helped you understand? There's a choice to be made at that point.
1: I, it's actually the messages that I get from um, from people, um, mostly people, because most pets cross over. So. Yeah. Um, People uh, make a conscious choice to stay earthbound or to cross over. And because I belong to a paranormal group and uh, inspired ghost tracking of Maryland, we do a lot of investigations of places where homes and so forth where where people stayed as ghosts. Um, And they tell me reasons why they've stayed, whether it be unfinished business or they think they can help the family get over their passing or there's something they want to tell the family or they don't want to leave their childhood home, or many, many reasons why they decide to stay. But they really all need to cross.
2: So what would the reason, what do you think the most common reason is of staying? What would be the benefit to somebody to stay?
1: There really is no benefit. Um, I liken being an earthbound ghost as living in an isolation prison, um, where you cannot communicate with your loved ones in spirit who have crossed and you can rarely speak to some of the living. The only living people that can communicate with ghosts are those who uh, are mediums. Mm.
2: And how does um, so if you're not able to communicate with those living, how does um, how do we investigate and pick up on those um, ghosts and how and communicate with them? Um, as a medium, and how do other people experience, for example, um, poltergeist?
1: So I've learned that poltergeist activity is really energy that uh, simulates an earthbound ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, it's emotional energy, typically uh, emitted by teenagers. Uh, teenagers going through a change can uh, can, uh copy, if you will, the energy of a ghost and make things happen like things fly off the shelf or um, you may feel touched by something that's not there um, but um, what was the other part of your question there?
2: It was about how we how that communication happens, so if, if an earthbound ghost is not able to make mm-hmm. the communication, how do poltergeists do that? What's the difference?
1: Um earthbound ghosts if they get if they get enough energy they can make people feel things or move things or, or even appear as a dark shadow for instance um, my my theory is that when people see shadow figures it's just that the ghost doesn't have enough energy to appear in full color yeah uh, um it all depends on how much energy they can gather in order to provide a signal to the living whether it be making a noise or moving something or uh, audibly speaking so that we pick it up. Um, it, it's all about the energy and uh, that they can gather.
2: So in, t- in terms of your, your own development, you're understanding the the different realms, you put things in such an easy way, Rob. So, people who are listening to this show will have heard us interview people who talk about um, and use very jargonistic language that is really mm-hmm. quite hard for anybody to understand. And I've never yet heard you do that. It's all very much about what you, you've learned and the practicalities. Since we last spoke, what's, what's been your greatest learning since we last spoke? So, in the last couple of years.
1: Well, I think the greatest lesson I've ever, um, I've ever learned Julie is from the other side and, and that is that we really need to teach uh, to, to practice kindness to everybody. That's animals and humans um, because that's actually what makes our spirit stronger while we're alive and stronger on the other side. So it's really just it's a simple lesson and that's just treat each other with kindness.
2: And um, when, we, when we were last talking, as you um, identified, we were talking about your book, um, um, Pets in the Afterlife, and talking about you know, the communication style and how that differs. So mm-hmm. how do you adapt your mediumship where, I, I guess, in, if you're similar to myself, you receive information, it's, it's almost as a thought that comes in and, and you have to distinguish whether that's yours or, or a spiritual uh, message. Yes. How does it differ with an animal?
1: Um, the only way it differs from an, with an animal is from the perspective of the animal. So, uh, what I mean by that is that messages can come in um, the way that a dog or cat would have perceived them when they were living. Um, they can come in uh, from to uh, me. I I usually. I can hear them, feel them, see them, even smell them. Um, I've smelled wet dog on occasion. Um, dogs or cats will share words that they were familiar with in life. They'll share an image of a person that they're standing with on the other side, and they'll have me describe them. Um, for, um, even uh, a cat would would know somebody's name. Um, a friend of mine lost his cat this year, and he sent me an email, and he told me that, and he said, "Is my cat okay?" And I and I told him, I said, "Your cat is." it is fine in spirit but keeps telling me the name dave and dave is with your cat bunny and and i don't know who dave is it, it, but dave seems to be someone who is a contemporary a colleague of yours and he wrote me back and he said dave was my best friend in college who passed away
2: Wow, wow so powerful isn't it because i mean i think you you're you're right it is is it's a real gift to be able to communicate already. And then when you can communicate on different levels and with lost um, pets as well, they are our family. When they're here and they're on Earth, they're our family. And so when we lose them, it's a huge gap, you know, as it is losing a human um, companion. Um, so it's, it's comforting for people to know that those um, pets are still very much able to make contact and give reassurances. What's the strangest message you've ever had from a pet?
1: From a pet? Um, uh, I, well, I, I wouldn't say strange, but I will tell you that, <laughs> that, like people, some of them have told me that they don't want other pets in the household to play with certain toys <laughs> that <Wow>. they've identified. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can blame them. <laughs> yes. Yes. that's pretty cool and so um yeah that's just that's yeah i can just imagine actually people come into my house and they look at my dog's toy box and i can't imagine um molly when um eventually um she she passes her ever wanting any other dog anywhere near those toys she it's like a toddler's um, (laughs) playpen. so they they will all go with her i think so um okay so you've recently been in the uk i'm absolutely astounded that you you didn't even look me up, knowing that I was here, and and have gone on ghost hunts. So tell me more about this trip to the UK and what inspired you.
1: Well, they were actually before I knew you because it was in 2012 and 2013, so I have an excuse.
2: (laughs) You are are somewhat forgiven. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) So tell me about the inspiration for that, because quite often, actually, there's a few people that we've interviewed that have come over to explore the UK and, and the history here.
1: Well, the, the the planned vacations were actually not my idea, but I am so glad that I went on them. They were actually the idea of my husband, who is uh, somewhat of an amateur historian on the Tudors, mm-hmm. so and the Tudor period, so Henry VIII and and uh, Queen Elizabeth and so forth. Um, oh. So so he worked with a travel agent to put together these two trips, and we we visited Tudor palaces uh, Tudor homes Tudor burial sites and you know I, and quite frankly i have to tell you i had no I, I really don't know the history i didn't know the history at all that was his thing um i you know i have my own hobbies and so forth and um, so i went over there not knowing anything and i had all of these amazing experience at, experiences and all these Tudor locations and non-Tudor locations, from Westminster Abbey to Hampton Court Palace.
2: Wow, and um, and both are fantastic places. And I know that I've I've walked several times around Hampton Court Palace, um, in, investigating the history and, and um, those that have passed. So, so tell me about the tour. What what did you set up? What where did you go?
1: Uh, well, gosh, the first um, we went, as I mentioned, Westminster Abbey and. Um, Hampton Court Palace, but we also went to, uh, we visited the Banqueting House, which is the last uh, remnant of Whitehall Palace. We went to um, the Tower of London, and there were many ghosts there, just like in Hampton Court. Uh, yeah. We went to Canterbury, Stratford-upon-Avon, Sudbury Castle. Um, we had a ghost in our room in Thornbury Castle.
2: Wow.
1: Um, and, I, and I actually wound up, and in the book that I wrote, um, the Ghosts of England on a Medium's Vacation. I actually f- revealed I f- his identity. I found out who he was and why he was there, um, and and then I will had to wait until I came home to figure out who he was, <laughs> and why he was there. Um, but I went to Windsor and York and.
2: Did whilst you were there, then come back and research it, or did you did did you know anything about the history before you went? I mean, I, I'm not a history buff at all. Um so for me when I go to a historic place and come up with a name, I then have to go back home and, and and look into that and research it and is that what happened?
1: That's exactly what happened. I you know, I as I said, I had no idea <laughs> about where we were or <laughs> what the history of the place was. So it was and it was fascinating.
2: How did, how did that particular so if we just take that one that one spirit in, in one room, how did that how did you know they were there?
1: Uh, the ghost uh, in Thornbury Castle.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, so Thornbury Castle, just a little bit of background. Thornbury Castle was a castle that was built by the Duke of Buckingham during Henry VIII's time, and the Duke of Buckingham was uh, known to be a, a could have been a rival to the throne of Henry VIII. So of course, Henry had him beheaded <laughs> to eliminate the competition,
2: as he did many.
1: As he did many, um, and he, Henry of course took his palace. Took the, the Thornbury Castle, and so today Thornbury Castle is a luxury bed and breakfast. And it appears as if it is in ruins, but in fact, it was just never finished being built. So there are walls and fireplaces that that were that look like they were in ruins, but they were never finished. Um, there are two main parts of the castle, and uh, both of them are used as uh, a bed and breakfast. So. We were fortunate enough to stay in one of them, and in this particular room, um, we both sensed a man. So I have to go back for a moment and tell you that my my husband Tom is also. He developed his medium abilities in Westminster Abbey when we visited in 2012. Wow! Um, and it was freaky because he would confirm everything that I got, and vice versa. Um, when I'm in the presence of a ghost or a spirit I get a headache in the back of my head when he's in the presence of a ghost or a spirit he would smell a smell that's simulated a rotting corpse
2: ew that's not quite so good
1: no (laughs) so he can have that
2: yeah uh, yeah, we'll leave that with him
1: (laughs) I'll take the headache Um,
2: yeah I get cold so I think I'd just rather put a jumper on than get that smell
1: I'm I'm with you (laughs) So we um, we both sensed a man that was standing in our room. We didn't know who he was. When I went and took a shower, took a shower. Um, that's usually when I um, I get a lot of messages because I'm I'm at I'm at peace. I'm I'm calm. So he told me his name was Rupert, and then he also mentioned the word Wittenham, and I didn't know what Wittenham was. Um, so. Um, the, the other thing, before I was able to solve the mystery when I came home, um, so I was armed with those two pieces of information, but I did tell Rupert before he went to sleep. I said, Rupert, I know you're here. I'm not going to tell you to leave, but please just don't wake us until dawn. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I didn't, re- I didn't remember that in May, dawn was at 5.15 a.m. <laughs> We're in England. <laughs> and the locked uh, iron window grate that um, was outside of our window it was locked when we went to sleep was suddenly opened and slammed against the the stone wall at 5:15 as the Sun was peeking over the horizon
2: nice alarm clock
1: yes <laughs> I should have told him to wait till 7 a.m. <laughs>
2: Could have been much more specific with an English ghost.
1: Yes. <laughs> so when hey. I came home, I found out his identity. He um, he turned out to be a, a Prince Rupert that uh, that fought in a battle nearby. Um, and the reason he stayed uh, was because the nearby uh, battle, which was in Wittenham, <laughs> as it turns out, a little borough, I guess, um, was the site of his greatest uh, defeat, and he never got over it. So when he died, he stayed there, and uh, Thornbury Castle was actually the closest to the battlefield.
2: Okay, and, and did you manage to find out any relevance to why the window grate would be slammed, or, or was it just, oh, just- your intention?
1: That was just his way of waking us up when I said it's you just don't bother us until sunrise. So he wanted to be kind of a smart aleck. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, you may ask me this, but I'll do my own thing anyway. And so so you had that experience. I, I'm intrigued by um, the experience with your partner and developing those you know, the mediumship in, in Westminster Abbey. What was, what was his beliefs before, Rob? I, I can't remember when we've discussed y- y- yourselves before what his beliefs were.
1: Well, um, he, uh, he, he never had the ability, or he said he never had it. Um, he was always very skeptical about it. Um, but we are both on a paranormal investigative team here in, um, in Maryland. And uh, when we entered Westminster Abbey, um, we went to a, a we went to part of the abbey where some of the people were uh, some of the kings were buried and he suddenly said he felt nauseous he said he he smelled like a rotting corpse smell and I was getting a headache, and I knew that there was somebody standing next to us and it was I sensed that there was a monk standing near us and um, there were so many ghosts walking around Westminster Abbey. Um, that's where it started and from then on every time we went somewhere throughout our vacation we would both get a sense at the same time. Um, But one of the most startling uh, wake-up calls to his abilities happened right there in Westminster Abbey after his abilities started to develop. We were standing in front of the tomb of Anne of Cleves who was Henry VIII's I believe fourth wife Um, and uh, we were about 20 feet apart. We were both standing facing the tomb. There was nobody between us. And at the same exact time, the, it, somebody pulled the hair on our heads. We were 20 feet apart. So they pulled the hair on, on the left side of my head and the right side of his, and he was, to the, he was standing to the left of me. So it was like somebody had an arm's length of 20 feet that pulled our hair at the same time. And we both turned to each other and said, "Oh my gosh, somebody just pulled my hair!" And he says, "He said the same thing." And I thought, "Oh my gosh, that's crazy."
2: Yeah. And so, if he was quite sceptical before, but still part of a, a paranormal group, which is a good thing. It's always good to to have um, people that are sceptical, and I think it's always good for a medium to be sceptical. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, how did he manage that? How did he cope with that sudden switch on? Because it, for some of us, it takes a while. Some of it just happens overnight, and it's it's quite hard to adapt to.
1: Well, um, the good thing is, um, from then on, he believed me every time I told him something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you are no longer totally Doolally. <laughs> right, <laughs>
1: uh, I wasn't out of my mind anymore. He actually, uh, he he, and he goes, he goes on to confirm. It, like a lot of the things that I that I get
2: it's so funny because my husband is a complete non-believer or so he says so I say to him well what are you saying then that I'm a liar and he, he looks at me uh, 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 I'm not quite sure what to, what to say
1: yeah that's a bad position for him to be in right?
2: <laughs> it's the real squirming position which is really quite good fun for me so and um, and I absolutely of course I absolutely get that people don't take to that easily and if you've been somebody who is fairly sceptical or a complete non-believer to suddenly have somebody confirming things and saying things are confirmed by others um it must be fairly eerie to be sat there thinking "How how do they get this information how do they know this stuff um and not be able to make sense of it so for him to kind of switch on that ability stood in this absolute majestic arena that is Westminster Abbey and then start to kind of pick up as you went around different, different venues. Where did you go to next in your, your trail for um, you know, the UK history of the Tudors?
1: Um, well, we, um, we went to, let's see, we went to a, a pub actually that turned out to be haunted. And then we went to St. Paul's Cathedral which turned out to be haunted, and then we went to Sir John John Stone's museum, which turned out to have a ghost dog in it, which we can address in a bit. (laughs) Um, But the Banqueting House was the next Tudor stop. Okay. so
2: we have a lot of um, old pubs in the UK that that, um, are haunted with um, various activity Mm -hmm. and um, some more famous than others. But I think probably most older pubs probably will will claim a spirit or a ghost or two. And certainly um, I've I've investigated the Anne of Cleves pub, which is um, further north than London. So tell me about the pub experience. Where was this in London?
1: Um, This was called Lord Moon of the Mall. And it was uh, down the street from uh, Ten Downing Street,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and before you get to Buckingham Palace, I believe. Yeah. Okay. It's, all, it's on Whitehall Street. That's where it is. Um, so uh, when we were when we were visiting there, um, it, and we really had to learn the uh, the protocol <laughs> for going to a pub. <laughs> we didn't realize that you had to order at the at the. Uh, uh, uh bar, yeah, and then, and seat and then uh, go back and go get your food and, and bring it to the table. <laughs> we saw a couple of American tourists that were waiting a long time, sitting down, waiting for someone to wait on them and we thought it was kind of funny. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but while we were there, um, I, I heard a male voice and his he said my name is Andrew and he told me that he lived there in the early 1700s and he actually operated a business out of the same structure, but it wasn't a pub at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I when he was talking to me, I started taking pictures um, at the uh, at the bar, and sure enough, there were a couple of orbs that appeared um, at the bar. Um, so, uh, it, for listeners, an orb is the most simple form a ghost can take. And I'm not a big believer in orbs, but I have come to find out that orbs orbs, mostly are uh, actual ghosts or spirits if they have colors and designs in them, and they can have faces in them. Um, I, we've taken a couple of pictures as paranormal investigators that have actually revealed faces in orbs. So... Um, but if they're white in color, they're either reflections of dust or pollen or bugs or something like that. But um, so Andrew was there, and um, and he was he was wearing an apron, and it, he he looked like a butcher to me. Um, and actually, he smelled like a butcher. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't the uh, it wasn't from the pub. <laughs>
2: You guys have got this real rotting and flesh thing going on, haven't you? It's not good. Yeah, it was
1: an interesting kickoff to to uh, his abilities. <laughs> um, but and the-
2: what did you what did you particularly notice? Was there was there a difference to that that style of ghost? Is that is a ghost different in that kind of venue as to places that you've investigated in in the states?
1: Uh, no not really not really difference. they they just appeared as they looked at at the time that they lived at the the Mm -hmm. time in which they lived so this gentleman looked like he was uh probably from the 1700s or even 1600s and did you find
2: that easy rob to identify because actually
1: we we tend to consider when
2: we're trying to make sense of somebody or something that we're seeing or hearing we're thinking in our own culture, so, um, mm-hmm. so it's t- an, an additional level for us to, to be presented with somebody and try and make sense of where they're from, if it's something different than our norm. So, did that, did that make sense quickly for you, or was it something you had to really kind of think about and research? Uh,
1: that, one, that one was actually pretty fast for me mm-hmm. to make sense of, that he may have been a butcher at the time, yeah. and this was kind of an open, <clears throat> open area um, shop. Um, at that time um, but others like uh, like Prince Rupert uh, didn't make sense to me um, they were uh, as we went on though there were a couple of others that uh, that made immediate sense to me One was the the ghost of a dog and the other was um, some sickly ghosts at the banqueting house of Whitehall Palace.
2: So let's talk about the dog. I mean, I I remember in my very early days, I made a horrific error by seeing a dog. And I'm not sure if we we talked about this before, but it was it was a scenario where somebody I was doing a recce for an investigation. And the lady on reception kept asking me for a reading. Please just give me something. And I said, I'm really sorry. Just kind of checking out the venue. I'm not doing readings. Mm -hmm. And she kept asking and asking. And I was really very conscious of this dog running around. So I I referenced the dog. I said, look, all I can talk about really is is the, the dog is with you. I gave her all the details. And she said, all the details are absolutely right. She said, but I haven't got a dog in spirit. And, uh, and I, I again, I, I was, it was so early days. And um, so I kept saying, well, I kept giving more and more factual information. And this, this, the more I was giving it, I was just digging my own grave. Because what I was actually doing is telling her a dog had passed away. And I could see the dog. And it was my friend who kind of interjected. And she looked at me and she said, Judy, I think we better go. And I said, oh, and I realized what I was doing. And I said, you yeah, know, I'm really sorry. You. I'm just going to have to go. Sometimes I get this stuff really wrong. and <laughs> walked away and of course she hadn't known that her dog had been been killed that day
1: oh my gosh
2: but and, and it was it was such a horrific awakening and a learning for me because this dog was so vibrant and he just he, all he wanted to do is, is to say tell her i'm here it's all good so i was sharing that information without a break without a faint thought so tell me about this um the, the the dog that um you saw and how you how you identified that the dog was from way back not maybe something much more recent
1: well, it was funny as soon as we went into this particular museum. Um, I sensed that there was a little uh, dark-colored dog running around, and uh, and I, I looked at Tom and I said, as soon as we walked through the door, I said, "There's a there's a dog in here, and 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 he's a ghost. He's earthbound." And, of course, Tom just looked at me and he just rolled his eyes and he said, okay, we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have on, to see go. about that. Nah. <laughs> so it was kind of funny because we, where we were, where we were, were um, was at Sir John Soane's Museum. He is, um, for, the, for the listeners, he is one of the most famous British architects um, that lived uh, from 1753 to 1837. Um, so anyway, his home is now a museum and it, it has like a wealth of, of architectural pieces and so forth, because he was an architect and he, he collected those pieces and antiquities. Um, even priceless works of art uh, are in this home, so it's really worth visiting. And and I, I do remember in his basement, he actually has an Egyptian sarcophagus, which <laughs> is kind of wacky. Yeah. Um, but long story short, we had walked around and this, this little dog kept following me and um, so as we walked around there was one there's a portrait gallery and in the portrait gallery hangs this huge portrait of Mrs. Sone, Mrs. John Soane. and in her lap is this little black and tan dog in this painting uh-huh. and I said that is the dog that I see and so um, just outside the portrait gallery is this little um, exposed to the air courtyard, and there's a little white stone in the middle of it. And I said, "That's where the dog is buried." And and Tom said, "Okay, we'll have to check it out." And on the, uh, sure enough, that that was the burial place of the dog. And the dog's name is Fanny. And um, that dog um, was the love of Missus Stone's life. And so I. In order to confirm that that the dog was actually running around there, you know, I we always doubt ourselves until we get confirmation. So I went to one of the docents and I said, "I have a question to ask you." And I, you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but has anybody working here seen the spirit, you know, the the ghost or mm-hmm. the the image of a, a little dog running around? And she says, she leaned over and she said, kind of softly, "Yes." Everybody that works here has seen this little dog. Oh. And I said, is this the dog? Is this Fanny? And she said, yes. We firmly believe this is Fanny. So she looked at me and she said, do you sense any human ghosts walking around? Because I told her about my abilities. And I said, no, I don't sense any human ghosts at all. And she said, well, neither has anybody who has ever worked here sensed any human ghosts. Only the dog. So um, – I thought that was a great confirmation. Um, She also told me that after the Soans passed away, they sold the house and there was a gentleman and his wife who bought the house that had two small dogs, two dachshunds I think, Um, and neither of the dachshunds would enter the house. They were afraid. (laughs) So they had to move the dachshunds next door. I guess they bought the second (laughs) house next door. (laughs) Wow. so so little Fanny is still running around in that house so if you go to visit John Soane's house it's up near Baker Street near the um, Sherlock Holmes Museum as a matter of fact mm-hmm. around the corner from it um, you may sense little Fanny running around
2: um, oh bless her. that's really quite sweet very warming why, why would she stay do you think because of well, the house
1: though I, I think that she just really loves her house she loved playing in that house and that's the sense that she gave me when I was there.
2: Oh, that's really kind. Did they? But the but the um, the owners that they've they've passed over successfully into the spirit. They're not they're not
1: ghosts. Right. They both crossed over. So um, so uh, it, that's and that's interesting because it normally doesn't work that way. The, the, that our pets stay behind but fanny loved running around and playing in this house and fanny continues to love plenty of playing in this house even long after his parents are gone oh that's
2: so, really sweet
1: that's a priority i guess you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: yeah absolutely why not if that's what you'd like doing then why go i give it up that's right <laughs> and it's, it's interesting because if if um you know that the lady, when you asked her, she she leaned over and said it quietly. Well, yes, because of course, um, here there's a in 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 the UK there is very much a split division, a quite clear split actually, about whether or not people believe in ghosts and spirits or not, and um, some people don't like the. Ad- the advertisements uh, uh, that where there's some uh, connection to a haunting because it puts people off from visiting whereas other places thrive on it and and of course people go there specifically for that reason
1: sure yeah i can i can absolutely see that um, um, so
2: so your your trip to london all these historic places um is there anywhere in the uk that you you didn't visit or any avenue of um history that you didn't visit that you would like to in the future
1: Oh my gosh! There's so many, uh, so many other castles and and homes Mm -hmm. that we haven't been to. Um, I I couldn't list them. I would actually have to ask my partner. (laughs) Um,
2: The expert.
1: Yeah, he's the expert. I'm. Yeah, I I I just go along for the ride. But I will tell you though that the fun part about being a medium. Um, on vacation is mm-hmm. that you get twice as much out of any vacation because you talk to a lot of the people who passed. <laughs> That's true. And you, and you learn their history. Um, one of the one of the people that really floored me was um, the ghost of George Boleyn, Anne Boleyn's brother.
2: Okay.
1: I did not I, I didn't even know who he was. I didn't know there was a George Boleyn. Um, we so we went to visit Hever Castle, which turned out uh, yeah. to, turned out to be the, the home of the Bolin family.
2: Yes,
1: yeah. Um, beautiful. And, and, and as we mentioned Anne of Cleves earlier, I, I understand that Henry VIII bequeathed that castle to the to Anne of Cleves
2: mm-hmm.
1: later on. You can correct me if I'm wrong.
2: <laughs> it's a fantastic location. It's a beautiful place.
1: It, it is gorgeous, yes.
2: And it's actually one of the places that, when when children in our school system are are being taught about um, Henry VIII, that's one of the um, the regular school trips. Oh no, kidding! I did not know that. Uh, Yes, yeah, Uh, because of its history, because of its location. Yeah, it's lovely.
1: That's fascinating. So, and so, um, when we, what's interesting about uh, about. My trip to Heber Castle is. I, I call this my my book. By the way, is separated into parts, and this was the last part, part ten, and I call it my most amazing paranormal experience in England, because number one, I I didn't know who he was um, when we walked in the door. I heard I heard him say, "My name is George," and and he spoke in in what I would call old English. Um, um, I, I read a lot of Shakespeare, and I had old English courses in college, so I, um, it was easier for me to understand what I call, I guess, kind of an accent. <laughs> um, but but when I walked in there, he said, "My name is George." And I, of course, I looked at my partner, and I said, um, "Can you? Do you have any idea who George would be here in in Heaver Castle?" And he said, "My gosh, of course, that would be George Bolin." And I thought. Oh, is that Anne Boleyn's brother? And he said, yes. <laughs> you know, when you know the history of it and somebody asks you a question, you, you look at them like, why don't you know this? <laughs> so that's what I felt like. Um, but uh, but George – what was amazing about this is that George Boleyn's ghost followed us around Heber Castle. He acted like a tour guide. Um, He showed us where uh, Anne Boleyn's room was. He told me a date and he said this is the date that I am most proud of my sister. Of course I had to look it up when I got home and I found out that that was the the year that his sister was given uh, her first royal title. Okay. I had no idea. (laughs) Um, He made me feel um, he, as we went into, I guess it would be the dining room, there was a giant fireplace, and, and suddenly he made me feel like my elbow was on fire. And he told me that when he was a boy, he had burnt his elbow in the fireplace. He had scorched his elbow. Um, so just all kinds of interesting things that I got as I walked through Heaver Castle, and George was guiding us. Um, it's such so, great information. I'm sorry.
2: But it's such clear information—the clarity, the date, the the, the detail—helping you to experience and feel where there was pain or uncomfortableness.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm always um, I'm always surprised when uh, when ghosts can convey such uh, such exact information. Um, and that happened actually in quite a few other cases when I was when I was experiencing uh, the ghosts in England, that they would give me names um, or or exact dates or something like that.
2: We're very clear with our Queen's English over here. You know, Rob, I even, do. <laughs> even, even in death, we still get it right. So it's, it's all good. I think it's as, as, as a medium when you're when you're communicating and you're really striving to support a person that sat in front of you and trying to offer them resolve and and um a a bit of tlc a little bit of reassurance those specific details are you know you just you're so hopeful that you're going to be able to have that communicated to you with such clarity and for george to be able to do that I, mean, I know there's this, this theory that the longer somebody has been passed, the more energy they're able to produce, to, to communicate. I'm not right. sure I completely buy that. I'll be honest. But um, um, I've known some fantastic readings very, very quickly over somebody's past. But but um, to have that communication, that connection where he absolutely was aware of who you were, what you were able to do and lead you round the castle. I mean, that's very powerful, isn't it?
1: It, it sure is. Um, and, and I agree with you that it I don't think I, I don't think that the longer a ghost is in existence, the more energy they can draw. I just think they can only draw the energy that's available to them at a given time.
2: Yeah. So so aspirational wise in terms of I mean, obviously, uh, how does it how does investigating in the UK differ from from the States?
1: Well, gosh, there's uh, there's so much more history. I mean, uh, literally thousands of years of history in uh, in the UK, and there's only really you know uh, uh, hundreds of years um, since this country, the U.S., has been settled. Um, of course, we have a lot of we have a lot of Native American um, ghostly activity here, um, and I've run into a lot of that um, as well, um, but there it was more I guess civilization was more structured in the UK for a lot a longer period of time so there are a lot more um, there's a lot more information
2: and I mean I've, I've investigated some fabulous places I'm very fortunate to, to live in, in a country where there is so much history um, and certainly where I live now is at the foot of a, a hill where a five-minute walk takes me to a, a neolithic burial ground mm. um, so you're never far away from from history here, and there's been some. Um, there's a, a Margam Castle in Port Talbot in South Wales. Just never fails to amaze with activity, paranormal activity. It's every person that investigates there or, or walks in experiences something. It's just you know whether that be audible or physical. I mean, it's just some fabulous places. So are, are you are you proposing a, a repeat visit?
1: Oh, gosh, yes. I I can't wait to come back. (laughs) Um, There's not only from the historic perspective, but also from the paranormal perspective. the, uh, just some of the places that I went to, um, I encountered so many ghosts in Hampton Court Palace, so many ghosts in the Tower of London that I wrote about. I even, we even walked into a portal, which is a, a doorway used by, by ghosts to go from one place to another within a portal of energy. And it sounded like it was vibrating. Um, that was in the Salt Tower in the Tower of London. Um, so, uh, there's so much to uncover both historically and paranormal uh... paranormically speaking if that's a word
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah and in fact not far from where you would have been standing as you uh, walk around the tower of london there is a, a tour of um... there's two tours actually that overlap so one tour is the um... jack the ripper tour
1: mm-hmm. so
2: um on um there's been some, a paranormal um, school kind of show some time ago now on television where they they taught, they took uh, mediums who were training around around that area around that tour and uh, asked them to to say what it is that they were experiencing so um quite often they they picked up on the stabbings that happened and interestingly that tour also overlaps with the harry potter tour Oh, you know, if you're not careful and you cross over tours halfway through, you've got a very different experience. But, but that 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 kind of history, even down to um, you know the serial killing and, and things, is is very close to the Tower of London. Just walking through the streets.
1: Y- yes, the the amount of history is just uh, is overwhelming. Um, it, by the way, one of the uh, one of the fun parts of going through Hampton Court Palace that I didn't mention is that one of the docents told us a story of his own ghostly encounter and um, in, uh, I, I, have that, I have that in, in the book, um, The Ghosts of England on the Medium's Vacation and there's a link to a, a YouTube video. He let me videotape him and he told it in his own words. Um, so that was, that was really cool to get actually somebody uh, a first-hand witness of a ghost.
2: That's that's, that's fantastic. And um, in Hampton Court, there are many passageways uh, behind the main public area Mm -hmm. that links rooms. And I was fortunate enough some time ago now to accompany. um, uh, In fact, it was it was Dr. Kieran O'Keefe who um, we we went and he did a lot of his paranormal um, and parapsychology investigation there when he was um, sort of kind of learning, I suppose, and developing his skill set. And, and he knew all of the, um, the, the background passageways, and, and we went through a few to get from A to B, and it was fascinating.
1: Did you happen to run into the screaming ghosts of Catherine Howard?
2: Is, um, what I, the only female that I picked up on was along, um, the, it's almost like a galley with very, very deep set windows. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a very very long corridor and on on the left as you walk down there's these huge windows that you can sit in Um, and um, there was a female just rushing along there towards me as I walked down but nothing in terms of um, making a noise or it was just rushing as in running towards me and then almost past me and through
1: um, well I, I happen to Leave. I think it was the Great Watching Chamber part of um, the castle, mm-hmm. where um, Henry VIII would make an entrance, and people would wait for him to come in. Um, connected to that room outside of it is, um, for the listeners, is a place called, it's, it's now called the Haunted Gallery. But <laughs> um, it is a long corridor. And as soon as I, I walked through there, um i suddenly heard a woman screaming and and i looked up and i was looking around and and i didn't realize that i was hearing the screaming in my head Mm -hmm. and i saw a woman running toward me in what looked like um a dress you know a dress from the period from the the 1500s and she ran right through me and i my whole body went cold
2: and that's the experience i had without the sound so okay. I just had the running towards me and then passed, just gone, as if, you know, she hadn't – there was no diversion, but I didn't feel her go through me. It was just – she was there and then gone again.
1: Oh, well, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you didn't hear the screaming. Um, so the, the chill – I mean, my entire body felt like my body temperature dropped by, like, 10 degrees. Wow. Um, and it was – I just stood there shocked, and I was listening to an audio tour, and right after that happened – The audio tour said in this hallway, uh, Catherine Howard, young Catherine Howard has been seen uh, running down the hallway um, because that was the hallway that she ran to to go beg Henry to spare her life. At the end of the hallway, she was told by one of Henry's um, people that she was going to be executed. And as it turns out, that uh, Henry was not even in the palace at the time. I guess that makes him kind of a coward because he sent somebody to tell her that she was going to be executed, and he disappeared. Um, but she ran down there, and um, there. Are, if people go to visit um, Catherine, it, Catherine Howard is it's not um, it's not a residual haunt. It's actually a an intelligent haunt, meaning that it's interactive. Um, residual is just like a film strip that happens over and over the same thing. But she's been known to touch people, and, um, to, and well, certainly she she ran through me. Um, so if you go, if people go in that that hallway, the haunted haunted gallery as it's called, you may be able to uh, run into screaming Catherine Howard begging for her life.
2: Just what you want, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. That was not exactly what I was looking for when I was going to the palace. <laughs> the
2: funniest thing is is that you experience these things, but as, as a medium, and you're, you're, you're acknowledging it as, because you're, you're in that moment. But it's just not unusual to us. It's quite a usual, you know, it's just quite a normal thing. Oh, okay, I need to check that out. I need to find out who that was. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's just a, another normal incu- occurrence for us to be able to experience that.
1: It It is funny, Julie, how we have, being mediums that w- over time we just kind of accept things and then we go, oh, let me figure that out yeah. instead of being totally scared by it.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, and, and people have said, I live in a very, what um, was it, five, six hundred year old um, farmhouse, old farmhouse, it used to be a hayloft, and um, people say, well, well, my husband actually said, do you think this place is haunted? I said, well, does it matter? Because you don't believe. <laughs> but actually, thinking about it, you know, experiencing things, sensing, hearing, um, and sometimes just kind of walking along the corridor and bumping into a male in the corridor. And I think, actually, yes, it is. But I don't even think about it in that way anymore. I just think, oh, there's somebody else in the house. And that's it. It's uh, it's just not an issue.
1: Yeah, well, that's funny. <laughs>
2: Well, it's been a pleasure. Rob, as always. And uh, we've kind of come to the the end of the show and we've run out of time again. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's just it's just gone so quickly. So let everybody know where can they get the books Um, and list the books, because every single one of your books is a one. And I would absolutely recommend people just to go and have a look because your style of writing is just so easy to read. So um, name your books, where you can get them from and how they can contact you.
1: Well, thank you, Julie. Um, The uh, the first book was Ghosts and Spirits. The second book was Lessons Learned from Talking to the Dead. Then there's Pets in the Afterlife and Pets in the Afterlife Two. And the latest one is Ghosts of England on the Medium's Vacation. And uh, they're all available on Amazon, Amazon UK, um, Amazon wherever you are in the world. Actually, you can get them on Amazon. And uh, there's a lot more that we didn't get to talk about, about places outside of London, um, from Stratford-upon-Avon, Canterbury, um, York, everywhere.
2: Yeah, York has got a very famous pub called the Golden Fleece, and York Castle uh, Museum and the um, the cells underneath are just amazing. Clearly, that's for another show, and so we can, can, if you you want to come back, Rob, that'd be amazing.
1: I would, I would love to. I always enjoy talking to you.
2: Thank you. Well, everybody, go and buy these books. Absolutely amazing read. And we just can't wait to catch up with Rob again. Thank you so much, Rob.
1: Thank you. To find out more about our show,
2: guests,
0: or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me?
2: Well, good night.
0: This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European Linen,
0: for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to
2: www.houseofmystery.com.
0: Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well,
2: good night.